0: escape room. I will be teaching on this today and next week, leading right up to Mother's Day, which is two weeks from today. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. These three weeks, today, next week, and Mother's Day, are all following this this theme of escaping the traps of the enemy. Now, you say, well, Pastor, last week, we got out of the escape room. Jesus was raised from the dead and broke the barriers and the bondage and the chains. gave us the keys, and we, we were out of that. How many are thankful that when you serve Jesus, when you're saved, that he set you free? How many are thankful for that? that You're not going to hell. You're, you, you've got a brand new start in life. But you know what I've discovered, and what we're going to talk about today in Escape Room 2, is that even when you're born again, even when you've asked Jesus into your heart, even when you're saved and you love God and things are going well, do you know that Satan still has traps set for Christians? How many people know that? How many people know that you can be born again and love God? And you know what's sad? There are going to be a lot of people who go to heaven because that's all some people think salvation is, just for the sweet by and by. I punched my ticket. There are going to be people who go to heaven. They're Christians. They're going to go to heaven, but they never lived a great life here on this earth. They never walked in freedom. They never walked in all the joy of the Lord. They never lived life at the highest level. Wouldn't it be sad to have the opportunity to come out of all of the escape rooms in your life and never take advantage of it. You know, it's amazing. Uh, as I was reading again, it's in John chapter 20. It says, On the evening of the first day of the resurrection. Now, the disciples had just run to the tomb and seen that it was empty and celebrated Jesus is alive. He broke the power of death and hell, He holds the keys. And and had that encounter and yet it said that night, listen to this, they were locked behind closed doors because of fear. Do you know there are certain things in life, there are traps that Satan will try to put in your life that will keep you from the blessings of God. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not born again. But there are traps like fear that will lock you behind doors. When God wants to bless your life and live life at the highest level. Can somebody say amen to that? So we need to understand this process. I want to help you. I believe God's desire today is for freedom to come in your life. How many can say amen to that? Not, not just say I get to go to heaven, but heaven comes to earth. Come on, how many understand that? I'm loving, I'm going to go to heaven, but I need some heaven to come to earth before I go there. Uh, he's that, isn't that what Jesus said? pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God for you on earth is to live free to be delivered, to be released from all the escape rooms in your life. So we want to look today, in these next three weeks, what are the things that trap us, even as believers? How does the enemy set a trap? How does the enemy uh, deceive us? How does the enemy work in our lives? Well, let's look at Luke 17 and verse 1. I want to look at two different translations. This, this, this uh, scripture is very insightful. And I want you to get this. I'm sorry, I kind of got the door in front of this side. If you can't see it there, it's going to be both of these screens. Now, as we look at this, I, I want to say uh, a lot of the illustrations I'm going to use today are drawn from John Bevere. He's got a great book entitled The Bait of Satan. It's an older book. It's a classic. And uh, there's so much truth from there, some of the illustrations. So I want to look at this verse. Ready? Let, let's, let's read this. This is from the King James translation, all right? Then said he, Jesus... Because this is something Jesus said. How many believe everything he said was true? Okay, let me try it again. How many believe if Jesus said it is true? All right, so what did he say? Watch this. Then he said unto the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. Now, what did Jesus say? In this life, offenses are going to happen. What is an offense? Someone hurt you. Someone betrayed you. Someone disappointed you. Someone broke a vow to you. Someone told a lie to you. Someone wounded you. Is everybody with me? According to the Word of God, Jesus said, in this life, those things are going to happen. Offenses are not your fault. <clears throat> we didn't create the offense, we did not want the offense, but they happen. How many are with me right now? He says, it's impossible. But that offenses will come. Now the question is, how are we going to respond when the offense takes place? An offense. Someone hurt me. Someone wronged me. It's not your fault. Someone abused you. Someone you trusted. Betrayed your confidence. You with me? Offenses. He said unto the disciples, it's impossible. But that offenses will come. If you've lived this life, an offense has been committed against you at times. Now, let's don't get all, all puffy and spiritual at church and act like, well, it's never happened to me. Yes, it has. Well, I, I don't, Pastor, I'm fine. You may be in the most trouble right now, all right? Stay with me because we are going to understand something. So, offenses will come. We just need to make sure we're not the person doing that, right? So, let's look at this in the Amplified Translation. Same scripture, very insightful here. The reason I love this Amplified Translation is that gives it digs into the original Greek words and gives us a lot of synonyms that helps us see the meaning and maybe gather a little more insight into the verse. One of my favorite translations. No, notice the same verse. Watch this. Jesus said to his disciples, now what, what do we call them offenses in King James? Here, stumbling blocks. Stumbling blocks. What, what, what's another? Temptations and what? Traps. Set to what? Lure one to sin. What is an offense? Are you with me? An offense is a temptation or trap set to lure us to sin. That's what an offense is. It's an opportunity to become offended. An offense is a trap to lure us out of the purposes of God. Watch. They are sure to come, but woe, judgment is coming to him through whom they come. So if there's anything you don't want to do is be the person causing offenses. How many can say amen to that? But what we see is that a, an offense is not only a stumbling block, it's a temptation to lure us into a place that we shouldn't be. God has something better for us. So, so we need to understand this. How does this work? Now, for a trap, a trap to be effective, two things have to be implanted. All right, number one, the trap has to be hidden. The trap has to be hidden. If I see the trap, I'm not going to step in it. If the animal sees the trap, he's going to avoid it. So if a trap is going to be successful, number one, it has to be hidden. And number two, the bait has to be successful. So is everybody with me, Calvary family, with me? I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to lay some foundation today. Satan is busy trying to trap us. He hides the trap of offense behind personalities and relationships. The devil never comes to your front door and, Good morning. I'm the devil. I'd like to trap you. Can I come in? Come on. Even the heathen don't open that door. So what does he do? He hides the trap behind life. He hides and disguises the trap of offense in the lives of people around him. And then he baits that trap with something that's hard to resist. So we go to Luke 17, 1, and and this word again for offended, the offense, is literally the Greek word. It's where this translation comes from, and it's literally the word for a trap. In fact, it's the part of the trap where the bait is placed. So Satan, in his strategy, is working the lives of men and women who've been saved, who have accepted Jesus whose sins are being forgiven who are going to heaven but he's laying a trap everybody with me and the, and the word says every one of us hearing this message have had opportunity to step in that trap so what are we going to do about these things we we need to understand what is the trap how does it work how do i recognize it how do i get out of this trap uh, let, let me help you with this as we do a little inventory. How many want to really be honest with yourself today? Can I see your hand? Come and say, Pastor, uh, come on, just make me feel better. Everybody put your hand up for a minute. Okay, thank you. I, I want to be honest about this today, all right? So look, what, what are some of the uh, symptoms if I become offended? The offense occurred. It wasn't my fault, the offense. But I, did I respond? Did I allow to? Have I become offended? Listen. If if I'm offended, if I took the bait of the trap, there's some things I'll begin to do. Let's be honest. Look at ourselves. Hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, hatred, and envy. Those things are symptomatic of when our lives become offended. Everybody with me? And so how does that display then to the people around us? Insults, attacks, wounding, division, separation, broken relationships, betrayal, and the love of God grows cold in our hearts and we begin to stray from God. So you know what we need to do right now? Now that we see where this is going, we need to pray because we need God to help us see the traps that Satan Wants to lay in our life. Do you know that some people have been offended for years. And it affects everything they do. And they never recognize it. Come on, let's pray right now. Father, I seriously want you to pray. We come before you now. And Lord, to be released from the trap of offense is not a human exercise. Lord, I don't have the wisdom, nor the power, nor the oratorical skill to deliver someone from this. But you do. You do. So we pray for absolute honesty today. You have a plan for us today. You want to deliver us. You want to rescue us. You want to set us free. You want our lives to go to another level. But we have to be honest before the Word of God today. Lord, Your Word is a mirror. If we're willing to look in it, we're going to find the truth. If we find the truth, it will set us free. I pray today that we will honestly, sincerely, without fear of rejection, come in Your presence. And know that you have something better for us than being offended and struggling through life. Bring forgiveness, healing, and deliverance today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So where do we go from here? Let, Let me tell you, this is the danger of being offended. I've seen this. The Word says it. Here's what happens is that offenses will happen, as I said. But the danger of being offended is often those who are offended do not even realize they're trapped. They're offended, but don't even know it. Do you know why? Listen, because we've been hurt, because we're offended, because we're wounded, we're so focused on the person or the act that wounded us. Everybody with me? That we never look at ourselves. We 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 we're offended, we're trapped, we're caught. Satan made the offense. He set the bait, we grabbed it, we're mad, angry and hurt and our eyes are on the people that did it instead of ourselves and the God who can get us free. The danger, the trap, the, the, the deceitfulness of the devil with offenses is that most offended people don't even know they're offended. See, offended people become destructive. They become divisive. They're, they're trapped, they're wounded, they're angry, they're bitter and, and and their words carry it and their actions carry it and they don't see it because it's someone else's fault. Now let me go back. The offense was not your fault. What someone did to you was not your fault. The act against you was not your fault. But what I chose to do with what was done is what traps me. And when I cannot understand that, when I Only want to play the blame game. How many hear what I'm saying? I will never be set free because what you did is not my problem. My issue is what I did. Is everybody with me? Now, we don't like this because it's easier to focus on the person who hurt me rather than on me and how I responded to it. Everybody still with me? Okay. How many are still glad you're at church today? Come on. Let me see your hand. It impacts all your relationships. Our response to offense determines our future. How I respond to the offense determines our future. Now, let me show you this. This is where it really gets nitty-gritty. Proximity is necessary for the trap of offense to work. What does that mean? Proximity is necessary for the trap of offense to work. Let's look at Psalm 55. You can find it in your Bibles. If you like, I have it here, Psalm 55, 12 through 14. Watch this. Watch this. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. Remember I said proximity is necessary to become offended. If an enemy was insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. We get you, see strangers are not going to offend you. A stranger doesn't have the power to offend you. All right? But look at this. It's you. A man like myself, my companion My close friend with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God. These are believers. Everybody with me here? As we walked about among the worshipers, see proximity is necessary for offenses to take place. The closer the relationship, the more severe the offense. The closer the relationship, the more severe the offense. The person at a distance, not in my circle of trust, can really not hurt me and wound me. But the one I went to church with, my friend, my my fellowship, the one I trusted, the one I let my barrier down, the one I thought was with me, you betrayed me and I'm wounded and I'm angry and I'm hurting and I don't even know it because all I can think about is what you did. Well, you see the trap? You see that? That's the dangerous part about this. Now, let, let, it, it goes to another level. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. Now, watch this. Watch this. This is the danger. This is the danger of being offended. So, well, pastor, is that really a big deal? I mean, it's just me. I'm hurt. I'm offended. I'm carrying a grudge. But, but, but th- does that really touch anybody else? Watch this. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. You know, one of the chief characteristics of offended people is they're quarrelsome. They're agitated. They quarrel. You know, uh, they, they uh, always take the opposite side of the story. Have you ever met somebody like that? Everybody's having a good time and this person's going to bring up the other thing. They're quarrelsome. It's like to quarrel. You come in and say, Hey, how you doing this morning? What makes you think it's a good morning? She. Man, wasn't that a great service? Well, I don't know, went five minutes longer than I thought it should have been. Happy birthday. What yes, yeah, another one. I guess I'm another year old. Quarrelsome. Quarrelsome. Aggravating. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind. Are you reading the word of God? This is the word of God. Must be kind to whom? Okay, I'm going to pause here. Must be kind to whom? everyone. You mean the person who that God will grant them repentance. Do you know how you escape the trap of offense? You have to repent. You don't point your finger. You don't blame other people. You accept where you are and say, God, I'm sorry. Come Now watch this. Leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Now here is the clincher. Watch this. And that they will come to their senses and to do what? Escape the trap. That's what we're talking about. Watch this. Of whom? Oh, do you realize that that trap that was laid for us, that we stepped right in it, you hurt my feelings, and man, I grabbed that bait and hurt you back. You you made me mad, and I grabbed that bait and took it back. And I'm mad at you, and I'm walking around bitter and unforgiving, and I'm angry, and I'm mad, and I'm quarrelsome, and and, and it's between you and me. No, the devil just used somebody else to lay the bait. The devil set the trap. Are you with me? Isn't that what we just read? And here's the worst part about it. What's so bad about becoming an offended pastor? Because the one in the trap of the devil has taken them captive to do his will. We're doing the devil's will. Is that dangerous? Is that shocking? Is it something we need to come to grips with? Do you realize that an offended person who confesses Jesus as their savior and who is going to go to heaven if they become offended, can literally be doing the will of the devil. How many are still here? There's two or three. How many are breathing? Take a deep breath. We're, we're, we're going to get there. I'm just reading the Word. I mean, it says. do you see this? Pastors, is it a big deal? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. When I become offended in the trap the devil set, was well, we don't see the devil, we see the person. You with me? I, well, this is not, I love God, but I hate that person. You know what the Bible says about that. You know, you know, I love God, but come on, it's this, it's that, it's this and that. Then we get bitter, and we, the devil begins to do his work through us. He begins to work through us. He begins to go into our families and work in our relationships, and it affects us at work, it affects us at school, it affects the way we go to church together. See, we think we can compartmentalize our lives. The lie of the devil is that I can be mad and angry and offended at you and still love God. And Jesus said, how can you say you love me, you can't see me, and don't love the one you can see? This isn't easy, but being trapped is worse. What I'm giving you is medicine to get you out of the offended state so that your life goes to that better place. Come on, how many want to live the life God intends for us? How do we get out of this? We repent. God, I'm sorry. God, I, I agree with your word. And see, what's the great. here's the great news about this. The, how you live your life, how I respond to the offense determines my future. The good news is when I get my eyes off of people and I get my eyes on God, the person who created the offense doesn't have to be a better person. They don't have to do anything different. I can be set free just because I put my eyes on God. Do you realize that deliverance from offense is not based on anybody else but just you and God? How many are thankful for that? They can still be doing the same old stuff, but you're free because you brought it to God. It's not dependent on anybody else, me and God, me and God. Go to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. See, I, I want us to see this. We have to understand that oftentimes our pride will get in the way. See, I'm, you know we, we don't want to admit we're offended, especially after this message today. You know, I'm not offended. I'm I'm over that. I'm good with that. I'm not offended. No, Pastor, everything's good. Isn't it crazy how we want to admit when something's really wrong in our life? That we need help. No, no, I'm good. I'm good, Pastor. I'm good. Look, I'm at church. I'm praising God. I'm good. I'm the victim. But I got it. Everybody with me? There's something that God has to show us. Look, here's here's a letter to a real church. Here was an issue. Watch this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea right. these are the words. Now, you know, it's interesting. Do you know in this, this, this place here, to the angel of the church, that was the, a title God used for their pastor. All right? Wow. Pastor. You know, I don't know if you consider me an angel, but you know what the definition of an angel is. Somebody always up in the air harping about things. But anyway, so, so, so look at this. So, to the angel of the church in Laodicea right, these are the words. Look at this. Of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Now, watch the message. Look at this. I know your deeds. I see what you do. On the outside, you look okay. Are you with me? I see what you're doing. You're going through the motions, you have the appearance that all is well. And look at this: that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. He said the condition of this church. It's so bad, you become lukewarm. You've got as much bad as good. You've got as much hot as cold. You have as much old as new. And he said, it's reached the condition that I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. But look at this. Watch this. Watch how we must allow God to help us see. You say your view of yourself, when you become offended, you become blinded. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, I don't need a thing. Stay with me on this verse. I don't need anything. I'm good, all is well. I've got this going on. Look what I'm doing. I'm going through the motions. I'm good. But you do not realize, look at this, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. Leave it there. There you go. What's going on? Is it possible for you and I to become offended and so blind that we don't really know our own condition? Could it be that we see one thing and God sees a solution to that? Let's go to the next verse. He says, I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire. I could tell you more about that, but let me go on. So you, so you can become rich. As I'm trapped in this offended state, I don't really see correctly what happened? my goodness uh, people run around trying to be offended nowadays this trap of the devil is amazing it's amazing that we live in this generation with all this offense going on and 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 it's never been more prevalent we don't see it and so listen watch this so what do we do with the people around us because we're offended and don't know it we judge everything that comes to us through the perspective of offense we, we see everything you do. You offended me. You offended me. You offended me. You looked at me wrong. You hate me. You didn't acknowledge me. Well, I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. And everything looks like that. So what's happening to us? Let's look at this next verse. I've, I'm giving you a lot of scripture because I just wanna, I want you to stay on track with this. Let's go to Proverbs eighteen nineteen. Here's the picture I want you to see. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel, a fortress. What happens? Look at it again. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. What happens? We start building walls. We start building walls. We start building walls. I've been hurt. So why did they build? What did they do with walls? Why did they have walls around cities in ancient times? Well, they wanted to protect themselves, right? They wanted to keep unwelcome people out. They wanted to screen everybody that comes in. You can't come in unless we know you. They filtered, they screened. Nobody's gonna come in and hurt us. You know what else they did there? They they kept a list of everybody that owed taxes that hadn't paid up, and they couldn't come back in the city till their debt was paid. Screamed. collected debts, protect myself, built walls. So what does that have to do with me, Pastor? Oh, everything. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. So why? What do we do? We start building walls. Come on, listen. We build walls because we're offended. We don't know we're offended because we're looking through these blinders. So what do I start to do? So I build a wall around my heart. Why? Because you're not going to hurt me again. Nobody's going to hurt me again. So I start building a wall, right? I prevent future pain from coming. And then I become really selective about who comes in my gate. Not just anybody. I'm not going to let just anybody in this gate. Are you with me? I'm certainly not going to let anybody in who owes me something. And so we become a debt collector. You owe me an apology. You owe me. You should say something. You need to do something. And boy, I start screening my life, building walls around me. Isn't it amazing? Watch this. We're in a relationship and somebody hurt us We became offended, and because we're offended, listen, instead of, what do we do? So we break out of that relationship mad and offended. Watch this. Maybe it was a previous marriage. But because we built these walls and we're living offended, here's the deal. Then we start trying to build another relationship, and they never work. Why? Because I'm offended. I carried my walls into this. I'll never be open to have the relationship with you because I'm still carrying the walls I built from that one. And we begin to go through life as an offended person and wonder why this never works out anymore. It's because I'm living behind my walls. I've become very selective and you're not going to get close enough to hurt me, yet you want a close relationship. What in the world? Let me help you with this. People get offended and leave churches. It's going to happen, but it shouldn't happen the way it happens most of the time. We should work through these things. Just because the devil puts a trap doesn't mean we have to take it. Can somebody say amen to that? And people get offended and leave a church offended. And you know what happens? I've watched this. I've pastored this church a long time. I've watched life. I know life. I know church. I know Christian. And somebody gets mad over something that could have been solved, a misunderstanding. They become offended. They leave a church. They don't do the right things to make the relationship work. And you know what happens? I've watched them. From that point on, they go from place to place to place to place to place to place. They can't put down a root because they're offended. I should have figured it out early on, but I was young and green as a pastor, and I remember when we began Calvary. Boy, at first, I used to think, man, this is good, then I realized I was surely naive. Someone would come to our church because we were the new guy on the block, and they'd come and say, oh, Pastor Sawyer, I've been to 10 churches in the last six months. Well, that should have been my first red flag. <laughs> been to 10 churches in the last six months. Once later, I was number 11 on the list. They were walking on down the road. When I came in, I was Billy Graham and T.D. Jakes and Kenneth Copeland all wrapped into one lean, mean preaching machine. I, I was—I was almost Jesus with skin on. I, and three months later, I was a no-good, low-down, backslidden, couldn't preach. Listen, I was never as good as they thought I was, and I wasn't as bad as they thought I was. What happened? Offended. You understand this? See, the danger of being offended. Offended, I put the walls up. Offended, you can't can't hurt me anymore. But offended, now I'm living in a prison. And everything I really want in life, I can't find because I'm trapped. Pastor, I've got to get out of this trap. What am I going to do? How do How do we get out of this place? See, what we have to understand is that the only people we let in, let me help you with this, because we're so selective now, the walls are up, the fortified city's there, no one's going to hurt me. So the only people we let in, watch this, is somebody on my side. You can't come in unless you're on my side. Here's the danger with that. Probably most of the people you think are on your side, they are as offended as you are. And so now you've got a bunch of offended people all in one place and you're not going to get any help out of that because you're all offended. Isn't it amazing when you begin to be upset with your spouse and you go to work, I'll be whatever, you can find another offended person to work with their spouse. And you let them in because... They're on my side. You know, my spouse, it's just, they don't know what they've got me. I mean, I'm not trying to say, but, you know, they, they don't appreciate me, and they don't think highly of me, and, and, and you know, they used to be, and the, you know what, I'm having the same trouble at my house, whoa, and the devil just going, yeah, come on, let's put them together. And those old familiar spirits start finding each other. Come on, don't look at me like that, and, you know, you, you, you were, you know, look at this. Here's the... So you're walking around, maybe you're not happy, but what you're about to do is going to get a lot worse. Because, see, there's a trap. The door's open. Are you with me? But you got to have some bait in there to get me inside. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, they understand me. My spouse doesn't understand me. They understand me. I think I'll step right in. Boom. You just stepped in a trap, pal. You just stepped into the snare of the enemy, and you wouldn't let anybody in except they're on my side. People, I know it's quiet here. I'm helping us. Everybody with me? I'm showing you what happens, and we're going to get out of the thing. What do I do, Pastor? I can see this. See, that's why I had you pray, because it takes some real honesty to say, God, this is going on in my life. I know God was doing a work. I had people come to me after the first service and say, Pastor, I realize sitting here today, I'm offended. I've been living life offended. I want out of this. I want to be released from this. It's impossible, but that offenses will come. But we don't have to become offended. We don't have to take the bait. We don't have to go into this room and get trapped where we are. See, if you and I understand this, you know this, the highest level. So, Pastor, what's wrong with me being in a prison? Why, Why is that such a bad thing that I'm in this prison? Because just me, I'm not hurting anybody else. Oh, yes, you are. What happens when we're offended? The devil's doing his work through us. What happens when I'm offended? My eyes are on me. All I can see is me. All I know is my hurt. I become more and more introspective and self-focused. And you know what the Bible teaches us? The highest level of living your Christian life, listen to me, is not me. It's what God does through me to other people. The highest level of Christianity is not what I get. It's what I give. The highest level of Christianity is not that I get it, it's that I, it comes through me, it blesses me. So this is what happened. It's all about me and everything that comes in this prison becomes stagnant because nothing's coming out of me. I, therefore, I have no joy, I have no peace, I have no ministry, I have no hope. Why? Because it all was absorbed in this trapped condition of my life. You go to Israel in this small country, there's two seas they call, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee is beautiful and, and, it, and it's fish. And you read the stories of Jesus and the disciples fishing and all the work that's going on there. It's beautiful. Waters flowing down from the mountains in the north of Israel into the Sea of Galilee is full of life and people and hope and then flowing out of it on the southern is the River Jordan where baptism and new life and prophetic things happen. But it keeps flowing down to the southern end of Israel, and there's the Dead Sea. The lowest uh, elevation on the planet Earth is the Dead Sea in Israel. And the reason it's dead is that something's always coming in, but nothing's ever going out. And you know what happens when you get trapped in a fence? You can go to church. You can read your Bible. You can walk with God. But if nothing's flowing out of that prison, I'm going to get stagnant. That's not going to work for me. I have to release. I have to go. I have to do this. Pastor, how do I get out? Let's look at Matthew 5. Look at this with me for a minute. How am I going to get out? Are you ready? Watch this. I call it risky obedience. Do we want to get out? There's a way out. But I tell you, man, this hurts. If you don't say it hurts, you're not honest. If it was easy to get out of the trap of offense, half the world wouldn't be walking around offended today. If it was easy to get out, half the church would be offended today. See, listen, let me help you. You're not a bad person if you're offended today. Offenses happen. You just fell in the trap. The good news is God can get us out of the trap. How many hear what I'm saying? So what am I going to do? Risky obedience. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Oh. Can, can I tell you, I've had a hard time doing that at times in my life. I've had some major offenses directed at me. But here's what I discovered. I can become a victim and live under what people did to me. And say, I have a right to be hurt. They were wrong. I'm offended, but it's Okay. Because they did something bad. And I'm gonna live my life underneath the control of the person who cares least about me. And I'll be unhappy and I'll be frustrated and I'll lose my joy and my peace. Or I can rise up above that and say, What you did was wrong and it hurt me and I wish it had never happened. But you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put this in the hands of God. I'm gonna step above this thing and you know what I'm gonna do? I'm not gonna be your victim and I'm not gonna fall in your trap. I'm going to begin to tell you that I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to pray that God helps you and I'm going to rise above this. Let's go to this next scripture I want you guys to see. I want you to see 1 Peter 2, 21. Look at this. To this you were called. Watch, 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 watch. You're going to have to get your eyes back on Jesus. Everybody hear what I just said? Eyes back on Jesus. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. How many believe we ought to follow his example? How many believe we ought to go in his steps? So watch this. What did he do? Watch verse 22. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. He was innocent. The offenses committed against him were unwarranted. Everybody with me? He didn't deserve it. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. He didn't take the bait. He didn't take the bait. When he suffered, he made no threats. He didn't take the bait. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Church family. Do you know what he said? Do you know what lesson we can learn? He said, oh, that hurt. Ow! I wish that hadn't happened. Oh, man, that was tough. But I'm not going to retaliate. Doesn't Listen, listen, I'm going to talk to you. This doesn't mean you're weak. This is the strongest people who do this. I'm not talking about doormats. I'm talking about people who had a choice. I'm talking about. You could have retaliated. You could have hurt them back. You could have harmed. Them. Oh, we're sneaky about it in church. We know we can't be obvious about it. So when somebody hurts us, we we don't just rise up and, and fight back. Here's what we do. Um, you know, I, I'm really worried about Sister So and So. Now I'm not gossiping. This is just a prayer request. You know, I saw her the other day over. Uh, mm-hmm, and now I'm not. I'm not saying I don't know what they did or. But, I, you know, it wasn't her husband. And, and I, 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 I don't know, but, you know, I think we ought to pray for her. You rascal, you. You sneaky peach, you. You know what you did. You retaliated. Come on, don't look at me like a, don't, don't, come on, I didn't come off Mars today. You know, we grabbed it. We had our minute. Jesus said, what did Jesus do? I'm not going to retaliate. That's not what a weak man does. It's not what a weak woman does. The strongest man on this planet is not the guy who gives you a black eye. The strongest man on this planet is a guy who doesn't retaliate when he could. Who doesn't take advantage of you when he could? The big men I know are not the guys who do what everybody else does. They're men that do what? They don't retaliate. They make no threats. Instead, they trust themselves to the justice of God. What has happened to me is wrong, but I trust you, God. What they did to me is not easy, but I trust you, God. You take revenge. You get me out. You walk me through this thing. Jesus said we're to take up our cross and follow him. That's just theory to most of us. His cross that day, Roman crosses. Weighed 300 pounds, and they threw it on his bleeding, beaten back, and he drugged it three football fields uphill to the place called Calvary until he couldn't carry it anymore, and someone else had to help him. He, but he said, this is what he said, no threats, no retaliation. This is what he knew. For the moment, it's not easy to do the right thing. For the moment it's not easy to carry this cross But on the other side of my cross I'm going to have a resurrection I'm going to come out on top of this I'm not going to be defeated I'm not going to live in a tomb I'm not going to live in an escape room I'm not going to be an offended man I'm not going to be a wronged woman My identity is not what you did to me My identity is what God did for me And I refuse to live my life there You want out of this room? His name is Jesus. Open the door. You took the bait, but it's time to get out. Come on, let's go do something else. Stand with me this morning. I want our, our, our singers, our worship. Come on, don't leave. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand together. Tough love is not easy love. It's impossible, but that offenses will come. But your identity, listen to me clearly, is not what somebody did to you. It's what Christ did for us. You're more than a conqueror. God has a life for you that's better than living wronged and offended. Do you know that when you hold on to the offense, the only person that really suffers is you? You stay trapped. And after a while, I don't even understand it or see it because all I can think about is what someone else did. The good news about escaping the trap of being offended is that the only person requires to get you out is you. You and God. No one can make you go in and no one can make you stay in. How many are thankful for that today? I'm thankful my life is not in someone else's hands. I'm thankful your life is not in someone else's hands. I want to help you with something. Let me help you with this. If you sow risky obedience to God, pray for those who've hurt you. Refuse to retaliate. Listen, listen, I want to help you. Listen, I I want this to be very clear. The person who hurt you and wronged you, They may never change But because you Obeyed as unto God It wasn't for them It was for God Do you know That somewhere in your life It's going to come back to you The seed you sowed Is going to come back to you Stop looking at the person That hurt you Put them in the hands of God They may never change Life isn't good or bad Depending on what other people do It's dependent upon What you let God do in your life So that person may never change. But God's going to bring somebody else in your life. God's going to bring love in your life. God's going to bring blessing in your life. God's going to bring favor in your life. Why? Because you escaped the trap of the enemy. Do you understand that? We keep our eyes on the people. Stop looking at that person who wronged you. You can be happy if they never change. You can be blessed if they never change. You can go on if they still are that person. But let them go. Let them go. Move on into your life. Come out of that trap. Realize that Jesus alone can do it.